May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. The office supply uh, superstore Staples has had this clever marketing campaign. It's been going on for several years now. And it sort of pokes fun at the, um, the absurdity of making the complexity of life simple. Uh, the campaign revolves around this little red button. Perhaps you've seen it, this easy button. You know this one? You push it and a little voice says, that was easy, right? And perhaps you've seen the TV commercials. Um, one of my favorites has this guy who's in this really cluttered office. And so he walks over to a young woman sitting at another desk that's also cluttered, and he says to her, have you seen my easy button? And she says, no, um, but here, use mine to find it. And she offers it to him. And, and there's a third coworker, a young man who says, wait, using one easy button to find another one, won't that like tear a hole in the universe or something? And, um, and so the woman says, oh, go ahead, try it. What's the worst that could happen? The guy says, well, that's the worst that could happen, you know? It could tear a hole in the universe or something. And, well, he, he pushes the button, you know, and, and all of a sudden this cluttered office, boom, it's instantly cleared. And, and there's his easy button sitting right on the desk, you know? And the third guy who was worried about, he's disappeared until a moment later where a filing cabinet opens and he comes crawling out of it, you know? And apparently, the, you know, the easy button even filed people into the proper places, you know? And, and so the voiceover comes down at the end of it and, and says something, you know, like Staples makes your life easier, makes everything better or whatever. And, wasn't that, isn't that easy, you know, or um, there, how does it, it say it? That, that's easy or whatever it does. It, 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 all you need to do is just push a button instantly. A complicated, cluttered life becomes easy. And it's hugely successful, this marketing campaign. People have bought these easy buttons. Some of you have them sitting on your desk at work and you push it or at home. I have one, but it plays bad to the bone, and I don't know what you have to tell you about that later. But anyway, they, these little easy buttons that, that people push just make life easier. There's another great one. This guy is standing at a computer, or a printer rather, like a computer printer, and um, he's, he's uh, complaining that it's out of ink. He has a little cartridge in his hand, and he says to the uh, you know, young woman in his office, looks like we're out of ink. She says, well, have you tried shaking it? He said, yeah, it doesn't work. The only thing I can do now is, is save it for the ink fairy. And she says... The ink fairy? Yeah, yeah, when you're out of ink, you take your, your empty cartridge, you put it under your pillow, and the ink fairy brings you $3 a night, you know, over that. And she says, wouldn't it be easier to push the easy button? And he says, yeah, like that's real. <laughs> the whole thing is the easy button is real, the ink fairy is not. Yeah, you got it. And that's the rub, isn't it? I mean, that's the, that's the issue. I mean, if only... We could push a button and everything got easier. If all of a sudden we could just push a button and the source of our human angst, complicated lives were just instantly taken care of. It's something we desperately wish could happen. But it can't. And it won't. Do we really need wars? Social upheaval? Discrimination? Intolerance? Injustice? Politicians, Oh, could you imagine it? Could you imagine what we could do if we just had an easy button? There would be no more news, would there? I mean, it would like dry it up right now instantly. It would be all over. If only things that were complicated could be made simple by the push of a button. 
Uh, on Facebook, and I know many of you probably do this. I don't know if you, all of you do, but on Facebook, there's a little part called relationship status. Okay, so if you have a Facebook account, you register yourself as a, you know, what is your personal relationship status? I'm married because I'm married, right? So you put down Joe Boisel, married. Click the little button, and there's little choices. You go there, married. There are other choices that make a lot of sense. Single, okay. Divorced, separated, widowed, all of those make perfect sense because people fit in those categories. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Becca knows where I'm going with this. There's another one in there. It's complicated. No, no. How is that possible? You know, it is. You you do not fit into the it's complicated category because you got to. What's that old Louis Jordan song? Uh, Frank, he knows this one. Is you is or is you ain't my baby? You know this. We gotta know. Just tell me. Don't say it's complicated. Yeah, he knows that. This is why we need an easy button for all of our lives. Right? We just need to push because everything's complicated. Children and schools and charities and automobiles and bicycles and French toast. I make French toast complicated. Uh, dance, whatever, wine, whatever your thing, there's some complication there, isn't there? You just, you know, if only those brakes didn't squeak, that engine didn't tap, if only the whatever doesn't mess up. Life is hard and sometimes complicated. And if anyone tells you something different, they are either foolish or they're selling you something. It, either they're trying to get into your pocket and take your money, or they're just plain dumb. You know, they just don't understand that life is is hard. And now, I don't mean that it, it's it's overly hard. I don't mean to say that it's too hard. I don't mean to say that human beings are amazingly resilient, aren't we? I, we can go teeny tiny little human beings. Go to the neonatal uh, intensive care unit at, at, at any hospital that takes care of little babies. You will see tiny little babies struggling for life, and they make it. Many times, I mean, they, they need help. They need care. But they make it. They hold on. Because God made us amazingly resilient. We can face adversity and come through it. Fact of the matter, adversity makes us stronger. You know, like exercise tears down your muscles and makes you stronger physically. Adversity does the same thing for us spiritually. And I want you to know this morning, you are a lot stronger than you think you are. You are a lot more able to handle adversity than you perhaps think that you can handle. You can do, by the grace of God, far more than you could ever imagine doing. It's true. And that is the message of the letter St. Paul wrote to a young pastor called Timothy. Paul writes this letter, it was the epistle lesson today, to a young pastor, probably in his 20s, and he's writing to him, Timothy becomes the pastor and uh, the rector and later the bishop of the, the church in Ephesus, a very important church in the ancient world. And if you read through the New Testament time and time again, you'd see Timothy's name cropping up. He's with Paul here, he's with Paul there. Paul writes a letter, says, greetings from me and from all our friends who are with it, including Timothy. And so he's an important person in the, in the New Testament. But in this case, in 2 Timothy, this is the second letter Paul has written directly to Timothy to tell him some things that he wants him to remember. 
The cause or the, the, the circumstance in which Paul writes this, though, is really important. Paul is actually in prison when he writes this letter. Nero is the emperor in Rome, and a lot of bad things have been happening in Rome. Uh, Nero has mismanaged his empire, and he's blaming the mismanagement not on subordinates, not on other, he's blaming it on Christians. The Christians are the whole problem with the world. I mean, he was to Christianity in the first uh, century what Hitler was to the Jews in the 20th. The problem with the world are the Christians. And so I told, I've mentioned before, he began a, a really widespread persecution. He has arrested one of the head leaders of Christianity, a man named Paul. Place him in prison. Paul knows the end is near. He's about to die. And so he writes this letter to Timothy saying, look, there's no easy way out for this, for me. The, the end is, is pretty certain. Don't you give in, Timothy. Stand firm. Don't be a coward. Don't shrink in the face of this persecution. Be strong. Look, look with me at the lesson. Will you, will you go there for a moment in your bulletin? In chapter 1, verse 6. So we start at verse 1, slide down about, you know, a little bit and find verse 6. You see that? Paul says to Timothy, For this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God which is in you. Now it seems that Timothy is quite a good preacher. He, he's eloquent. He's persuasive. People listen to him. He, he can... He can preach a good sermon, and, and he has brought a lot of attention to the cause of Christ through this gift of homiletics that he has. Paul says to him, listen, the temptation, Timothy, is that you're going to say, hmm, you know, maybe I'll just kind of play it low, you know, fly below the radar, don't really ruffle any feathers, keep this homiletical gift maybe hidden a little bit. Paul says, no, I want you to keep on preaching. In fact, I want you to preach your best sermons. I want you to give the best stuff you have right now. Get it out there. Don't be afraid. In the King James Version, this, uh, this, uh, passage, this uh, sentence right here says, um, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God that is in you. Don't let it go down. Don't let that flame die down. Stir it up. Shake it up. Shake, gravel, roll. Whatever you do, don't get it going. Now look, slide down just a couple of verses. Verse 8. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. No sense in saying don't be ashamed unless there's a temptation to be ashamed, is there? Timothy, don't be ashamed. Don't shrink back. Don't be afraid to associate with Jesus, and certainly don't be afraid to associate with me either. Don't give in to expediency. Look at the rest of the verse. Back to verse 8. But share in the suffering. Whoa, 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 whoa. Because it sounds like he said share in the suffering, right? I don't volunteer for suffering. I don't do you. Does anybody say, oh, you know, if only I could wake up this morning and suffer a little. Wouldn't that be nice? Please, Lord, bring it on. No, we don't say that. If you do, come see me later. You've got issues to work through. But we don't wake up in the morning and pray to suffer. But Paul says, don't you dare be afraid of it, Timothy. Embrace that suffering that's going to come. Be strong. Take temporal suffering over eternal ones. 
Be willing to suffer now with Jesus rather than to deny Him and be separated from Him for eternity. And that's all. Not just a, not just a sort of negative, but also a positive. Slide down in, your, in the lesson to verse 13. Verse 13. Follow the pattern of sound words that you heard from me. Follow the pattern. Hey, Timothy, you heard what I've heard, you've heard what I said. Say what I've said. Say it to others, what you've heard me say. This is what Paul's saying to him. Timothy, you heard what I've said. I want you to do what I've said. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Verse 14, the next one. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. If you had a pencil, this is where you would underline, right? In verse 13, follow. In verse 14, guard. Timothy, you are a guardian of the faith. Do you know why bishops wear purple and red? It's not because they're loony and like to look silly, you know? Although sometimes... But they wear, they wear purple and red because they are supposed to be the very first ones who lay down their lives for the gospel. That red is to be a symbol of the blood that they are willing to shed for the sake of the gospel. That they are called to guard the faith. Ironic, isn't it? that we've been fighting for years over bishops who refuse to guard the faith. But now this is what it is. Guard the faith. Timothy, this is your job. Be bold. Don't dilute. Don't cheapen. Don't weaken the gospel. Don't make it easy for people. Just be honest about it. Be straightforward about the gospel. Guard it. Protect it. Live for it. That pause was pregnant right there, wasn't it? Live for it. And when necessary, be willing to die for it. For the sake of the gospel. And I bet Timothy says, if only I had an easy button, you know? He just pushes it and Nero becomes a Christian. Wouldn't that be wonderful? He pushes it and and St. Paul was instantly out of prison, set free, out back on the road again, on his way to Spain where he really wanted to go. Preaching the gospel. All I do is just push the easy button. Things get real better. Get real better. I think Paul would have been proud of, of, of Timothy. I think he would have, don't you? Because Timothy does stick it out. Church history tells us that Timothy wasn't executed under Nero. He actually lived quite a bit longer. But somewhere around the year 97 AD, there was a, a pagan procession of idols through the streets of Ephesus. And Timothy had the gall to stand out there at 80 years of age and preach the gospel while they were doing it. Turn from idols to the true and living God. Do you know what the people did to 80-year-old Bishop Timothy? They drug him through the city streets and they stoned him to death. He was willing to stand up in the face of pagan opposition, preach the gospel and not be afraid. And this is the same fate that fell to people like Justin Martyr and St. Sebastian, Jan Haas, Martin Luther. He didn't die for it, but he was willing to. Hugh Latimer, Thomas Cramner, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Jim Elliott, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. People who were willing to stand up and preach the gospel even though it meant their very lives would be taken. Anybody want to guess what the message to us today is? Stand firm. Don't give in. 
don't be mean-spirited. Don't be angry and harsh. Don't be intolerant and cruel. For heaven's sakes, no. That's not the gospel. Anybody who tells you that's the gospel is wrong, send them to me. I'll straighten them out. That's not the gospel. But the gospel also isn't whatever the society and culture wants. We just capitulate to. The gospel isn't that you know whatever seems to be the hip and happening trend is okay. That's not the gospel. People like religion. They love religion. But sometimes when you start preaching against idols, they get very testy. Okay with religion. Don't give me any of that, you know, crazy committed stuff. You know, that's just too much for me. That's a little fanatical. Today's World Communion Sunday. Uh, we recognize that we are in solidarity and fellowship with Christians all around the world. Uh, just two weeks ago in Peshawar, Pakistan, All Saints Anglican Church, All Saints Anglican Church, sisters and brothers from our very communion, were gathered for worship when Islamic jihadists bombed their church during worship. Eighty people were killed, 200 people were injured in this bomb. Two weeks ago, Pakistan. The last month in Egypt, over a hundred Christian sites were bombed or set afire. Forty-two churches were burned to the ground. Among those, many Anglican churches. Sisters and brothers of our very communion, people from all over the world. And none of that talks about Syria or Iran or Iraq or Libya or the Sudan. Places all over the world where people who who name the name of Jesus, do so at the very risk of their lives. Their lives are imperiled because they are willing to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. And nobody has an easy one. Nobody in those places can just, you know, see, that was easy. All over, all gone. And even a little bit more close to home, today is Stewardship Sunday. So I'm supposed to remind you, in light of this passage, which was selected years and years and years ago, it's been in a three-year cycle for a thousand years or whatever, just happens to fall on the same day that we do uh, World Communion Sunday, it happens to fall on the same day that we do Stewardship Sunday. It's almost like somebody knew what was going on up there. Uh, on Stewardship Sunday, when we talk about what we do with our time, our talents, our treasures, you know, what do you think St. Paul would say to us? It's okay to be half-hearted. It's okay to be kind of, you know, whatever kind of goes. Or would he say, commit your whole life. And your whole life means everything that's in it. All of your time, all of your talent, all of your treasure, that you give it all to God. Because ultimately it all belongs to him anyway. I think he would say to us, now is not the time for cowardice. Now is the time for boldness. Boldness in our faith. Next week, you know who's going to be here? Drew Schmotzer. Do you know what Drew Schmotzer used to be the, the, the pianist here for, at our church, I think, when we were down in the, at the barn before my day? Do you know what Drew Schmotzer does now? He's the chaplain to the Archbishop of Egypt. He lives in Egypt right now. He's from Fairlawn area. I saw his mother the other day. Drew, you know, it's kind of dangerous in Egypt. <laughs> Have you been watching the news? I don't think he has to watch the news, do you? I don't think at all. He'll be here, preach here next Sunday. 
Dr. Nettie and I are going to Africa a couple weeks, a place where uh, this latest terrorist attack occurred. I'm glad we're going to Nairobi. I'm glad. I'm scared. I'm glad, you know. Not really. You know, wherever there is violence and oppression, the Church of Jesus Christ ought to stand up and say, and there is a better way. There is the gospel of our Lord. We're not afraid. We're not intimidated. We're going to live as faithful witnesses to this gospel. Now is not the time for cowardice. Now is the time to be bold. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.